I'm Kathleen. And I'm Dee. And you're listening to Mamas with Attitude, otherwise known as MWA. Interesting, cool, South African relevant yeah. content. Yeah. Um, on where we were at. Mm-hmm. You know, motherhood just comes to take on its different shapes and forms. Mommy's a bounce. Mommy's a bounce. Is mama's the bones? Jesus. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. You're in another zone, but you're totally out of the twilight. Mama. 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 I'm Hi, I'm Kath. And you're Dee. Hi, everyone. And I'm Dee. <laughs> you know that by now. But, but Dee, we should have this down like a like a comedy sitcom. Like, I'm Kath. And then you come in and I'm Dee. You know? <laughs> Ridiculously so. Okay, yes. And welcome back to MWA. Um, and Happy okay. New Year. Which I feel like we can't yes. say because we're heading into March. But it's our I first know. episode for our the year. and cool nice to be here thank you hi Kat how are you doing love I was just saying actually that uh, for our listeners who might not know this yet because I feel like we say it in every single episode we live just a few houses from each other and we basically never see each other so how are you is a real question um I'm okay I am in the thick of um a whole host of things, um, such as I'll try to do it in bullet bullet point form. Um, and I, uh, yeah, we did some renovations. It didn't work out so well. Um, there've been lots oh, of God. surprises along the way. Um, we are now living in about half of the space that was renovated, um, and it's it's really been pretty full on. Um, and you know, it's, for me, it feels like a, just a huge lesson in like resilience and in possibility, right? Cause people make do with so much, uh, yeah. so much less and, and also so much more, you know, I want to say, and it, just for me, like a huge, huge kind of awareness of, of just where we are at as people, um, and the decisions that my partner and I have made. Um, and yeah, so just kind of a whole new perspective, I guess I want to say, um, you know, mid pandemic, you know, exiting second wave, you know, my, um, the, my four year old, almost five, uh, showing, continue, continuing to show us four year old flame. Um, and of course also, um, you know, that six month, um, space where you are exhausted and you have plateaued and plateaued and plateaued and you know that there's more to come and um yeah so i'm okay um but uh, so a lot going on basically a lot going on a lot going on yeah Yeah. your side um similarly um it's just been well similarly only insofar as the pandemic actually I'm not renovating and I don't have a six month old. Thank Jesus. Um, So no, everything is fine. It's been busy. Like just, I feel like this year has kind of hit the ground running and we had a bit of a COVID scare with our, with our nanny who came back from Limpopo with, 
and was positive, tested positive for COVID, and she was in our household. So there was a, it was it was best case scenario in the sense that she really didn't present with bad symptoms. She could self isolate uh, very comfortably. She we had really good access to to medical care from my father in law. Um, and it was fairly contained, but I mean, I, yeah, the, it's just, it's been a crazy second wave, I think for everyone, you know, um, and work just feels like everything is, is amped up across the board for everyone. Um, everyone is feeling real like strained and feeling quite stretched. Um, but I mean, I think mostly we're fine. I think things are starting to settle a bit like, getting into some sort of a routine and rhythm around school. Amu's now in play school five days a week, which has been really nice. So granted, he's going with the nanny in the morning, but it's quite nice as well because then there's like quite a quiet household in the morning um, for four hours, which is just weird, right? And I think that that's another thing that's kind of um, confronting me is thinking about parenting as a perpetual hum or a perpetual like noise level right and when your kids are not in the house with you for any short space of time it honestly does feel weird so I am starting to wonder what emptiness syndrome must feel like like what do you do with your time and your life and I know that I'm so far off from that but it is just interesting for me that now that the two are kind of um, actively occupied for four hours a day it's kind of a different phase right yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I so anyway, you. but I mean, um, yeah. And just that nothing is the same, right? So everything is constantly in motion, even those moments that are, you know, supremely hard, you know? So so um, we have been in our first kind of sick cycle with two kids and, um, yeah. you know, we're heading into the third week and poor Zowie is the only one who's gotten sick twice. Um, but she she's now quite unwell and you know that weird feeling of is she okay now she's coughing what could this be and realizing that you know a it won't always be like this but b actually we are kind of back in small baba phase and there's a lot that one is always unsure of even when you do feel more sure because it is a second you know so um yeah just 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 so interesting because nothing is nothing is the same all the time or for all that long and so in a way it's a but in another way it's like a weird kind of you know quite disarming kind of feeling um yeah but we're okay and I'm glad that you're okay and I'm sending you a virtual hug all of five doors away from all of that. <laughs> I hope we'll see each other at some point in the That's next while. Good. I really do. <laughs> yeah, but I'm yeah. so excited about who we have on MWA today. Say hello. She can finally talk and say, hi, Ashley. Hey. We have Ashley yeah. on, the, on, on with us. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing fine. This is so great. I'm already so enjoying this, I have to say. <laughs> Good. I'm glad to hear that we all need a really chilled out afternoon, right? In, in our mothering crazy yeah. chaos. So I'm glad sure. that you're enjoying it. We've invited Ashley. Ashley Whitfield is an organizer and curator committed to cultural empowerment. She has developed projects at institutions, including South London Gallery in the UK, the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American history in the U.S. and the Visual Arts Network of South Africa. She is also a member of the Johannesburg Family Co-op, a monthly arts program for young children. Um, and that's actually the basis of how I know you. Actually, not even, right? I, I met you when you were just kind of 
for for lack of a better word, like fresh off the plane um, from from the US, and you were in Johannesburg um, right. all those many years ago, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. I remember that, Kathleen. Yeah. yeah. You you had set up a reading group, um, which was. I th- had you set that up? Actually, I can't even recall anymore. You know, we don't we don't have memories um, from before. <laughs> I the time that. Before, there is no memory. We don't know. We I, don't no know. I don't know what we were doing. We were being very. I mean, I remember those days in some ways, but then in other ways, I definitely don't. I do remember that we had a reading group and that you came over, and I yeah. think. I'm trying to remember which we were reading what felt like some really important feminist. <laughs> I think <laughs> you're right. I can't remember the name of any of them. Which is just, of course, of course. Um, <laughs> Neither can I. How, how useful reading groups are. Um, but yeah, I, I, those early days, I have to say, there were a few people who were particularly generous in just being willing to be friends. And you were definitely one of them. Because you know, like when you reach a certain point, it's it's hard to, yeah. to make new friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, that's yeah. not such an easy thing. And I just remember sitting here in the same living room that we were yeah. having a a book club about whichever whatever book that was, whatever and important feminist text. It was something very <laughs> important. I don't even want to give out a name just because it'd be embarrassing to now remember and to Absolutely. admit that I actually forgot. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you no, know? but it um, but it did. The, yeah, I don't think I started it. I don't. <laughs> you know, it's hard to. But but we did. We did. We had a book club, and I, I was. You're absolutely right. I was fresh off the plane. Yeah. And I just, I was always struck um, from the beginning around your intentionality and your generosity. Um, And that was even before children. And I feel like it's only kind of been further drawn out um, through having kids and becoming a mom. Well, well, that's, you know what? I said, this is great already. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know that these things can get lost in flattery, but it's this these kind of affirmations, you that little statement, you just don't know how far that will take me into my patience for this evening. <laughs> for this time. It's trying to embody the person that Kathleen uh, <laughs> imagines me to be. So thank you. <laughs> I love that. And then that's precisely what we should be doing, actually, as moms, is just allowing levels of affirmation to drive us through bath time and bedtime, right? And supper time. Anyway. Um, okay, well, thank you so much for joining us, Ashley. I don't know, maybe if you can just give us a bit more of a sense around like your family and how many kids you have and what the mm-hmm. what what it all looks like. If you can just paint a bit of a picture for us, that would be great. Okay, so before I called on or before we, you know, started out with our our chat this afternoon, the way it looked was uh, one little boy who is one, um, kind of crying and being upset because I wasn't paying enough attention. Um, a two year old, oh no, he's three now. That's my middle child crawling behind me somehow I was sitting down just trying to rest for a moment just just for a moment because actually one of the things like people describe themselves as being vampires like working in the evening I don't think mothers are even vampires because we're not it's not as though we're sleeping during the day we just don't sleep that much at all yeah so I was just trying to rest and I had the three-year-old behind me and he was just doing something that was really awkward Um, (laughs) and then the the five-year-old who's my oldest was just running around in a circle (laughs) 
around <laughs> this, this in a circle, not going anywhere, not just running. So that is that is usually how the day is. In the middle of it, I'm trying to convince them all to either be calm, stop. Um, <laughs> And that is usually that is usually how the afternoon looks. Some variation of that, and um, so that so that's me. Um, and then the, sure. and then I you know I have a partner who is um, a wonderful father and is very supportive and very hands on, and who is working from home nonstop in front of in front of the computer. So it's it's um, it is full and it's rich. And it's difficult and challenging, mm. and yet I get so much out of it and so much mm. pleasure and joy from these little kids. Um, so that's that's my family. So the okay. five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old, and they're all boys. I mean, they all identify as boys. So. Okay, okay. Got and you. did you always know that you wanted to be a mom or or is this something that's taken you by surprise just thinking about how your life is rich and full and Yeah. Okay. So the truth is and this is this is just the truth. I really don't think I thought about it that much. Um and this really goes against this idea that I'm maybe intentional and um I don't, I don't think I really, I, I, and the, okay. And the reason why I'm saying this is because the, what I didn't necessarily think about whether or not I'd be a mom, but there was a moment where I was thinking very seriously about my career mm. and how I imagined it to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I remember before I moved here, I was in London and as I have had in many places, just absolutely dynamic women in particular who mm. were and are doing the most amazing things, whether it was through research or practice, a combination of both. Mm. And what I did notice is that none of them had kids. That's, mm. that's something I noticed for sure. Mm. <laughs> um, and I noticed that the ones who were, who seemed to be embarking on, um, on, on journeys that were, I think, particularly self-motivated or self-centered or required a lot of the self, like a doc, uh, doing a PhD or something like that, where you're not necessarily leaning on a team um, to work with, to work alongside, that they they definitely did not have any children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I had a number of friends who, after a few years of work, after their first round of studies, were now re-entering the academy or were drilling down into their artistic practices. And not only did they not have children, they were pretty clear that their 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 primary focus was on on doing the work that they needed to do in the world. Sure. So mm-hmm. what all of that to say is that I wasn't sure about whether or not I'd be a mom, but I knew that for where I was in that moment. It, it wasn't, I, I was, I was trying to figure out how I can do what I needed to do in the world. And I don't think that children even registered within that because I didn't have many examples of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't have many examples of that for the women who were within the sector that I was interested in being in. But yet, of you know, I am the daughter of a, of a working mother who is the daughter of a working mother. Yeah. The daughter of a working mother who was a daughter of a woman who was enslaved. Yeah. So of course I have examples of this. And I think my mom would find it 
um, a little bit off-putting <laughs> even that I would um, sort of say that I didn't have many examples. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that it was coming to South Africa and knowing no one <laughs> except for my my partner, mm. you know, and really, really just trying to rethink what life was going to be for me Mm. personally, career-wise, all of those things. And that opened new possibilities. Um, Mm. And I think that's when motherhood came in. Although, sorry, it's a bit of a ramble, but it's also... No, no, this is... Makes sense. So, um, So just, can I jump in? Um, Mm. What it sounds like you're saying is that at a much earlier point in your life, these two worlds were mutually exclusive right that like either you wanted to have a career and to a large degree that meant you did not want to have children or it meant that maybe you wanted to have kids and perhaps that meant that you couldn't follow this um you know very serious un uninterrupted <laughs> career path mm-hmm. um and and I guess I'm wondering what do you think now you know do you I mean because you have your three kids and you have a practice I I mean I'm curious to think how you how how you would kind of articulate that based on how you just described it um yeah. just now yeah Okay. There, so there is one little piece that I'm missing, which is that I did have, um, and I still do have uh, a dear, dear friend who has two boys um, who was in London and, and started to have kids just as I was like in the last couple of years that I was leaving. And it was really through that, that I started to say, okay, this, this might be something that's possible, but um, to kind of fast forward to today, I'll tell you a little story. I, I used to stay in the plaza in Fordsburg, like stay in it, meaning I just liked, you know, Oriental Plaza. I liked going and looking at fabric. (laughs) I don't even know what I was buying. I was getting things made. It was a new way of um, kind of being here for me and shopping. It was much different from um, the States in Detroit. So anyway, I would go see this tailor pretty regularly. And when I was pregnant... Um, he said to me, he was like, you know, children are good luck. Mm. I was like, what do you mean they're good luck? <laughs> like, and he's like, no, they're good luck. They really help you with your career. Okay. Um, and at the time I thought he meant kind of like, like a, a lucky charm, you know, like maybe if I could rub their stomach or something, I would, <laughs> like oh, a genie, you know, like that kind of luck. But actually what I've come to understand is to answer your question, D is like, what I've come to understand is that it, it crystallized having these kids in my life makes my time um, like everything is streamlined. Things sure. have to be very succinct and I have to be very clear about yeah. the work that I want to do. Yeah. So it can no longer be a situation of, well, yeah, maybe I might do. No, I have we have about a half hour before bedtime, <laughs> this has to happen within this time frame. And then also what, and this is, I'm, I'm aware is an incredible privilege. I have to say, um, it's, it, it's, it's helped me to be much more, well, there's the intentionality that Kath mentioned earlier, but there's, mm-hmm. I guess it's, it goes like a little bit of a step further 
for me in that there's this this space for refusal to say mm. if this is is this going to like is being away from the family like good enough for this couple thousand rand that someone's offering me to do something that's actually much worth much more than that. And like I say, I'm, I'm very aware that this is a privilege to be able to make that kind of decision, you know? Yeah, Um, absolutely. You know, I'm I'm just thinking a lot about what you're saying now, um, and I'm I'm kind of getting these glimpses of my of my own former self. I want to say in um, quotation marks, and um, you know, yes, absolutely. I I love I love what you're saying about mothering in in the very privileged way in which we are able to mother. And granted, I imagine there there are many differences you know um um, we the three of us don't mother the same for example but um that said I agree with you it is a privilege you know I think and I think that is a privilege that perhaps applies to all three of us but also that it's a um you know this kind of configuration of of motherhood this thing of um of of being able to see oneself as a mother and 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 as enjoying your time with your children in quite particular ways, um, that it's a space. There, there are lots of spaces for refusal, but it it the word that came up for me was was failure, right? And and uh, not not as in I'm not trying to say we've failed because we're mothers and we don't have careers. In fact, on the contrary, I'm trying to say that I think um, motherhood for me certainly has opened up so many avenues of perceiving our failure as something that is per- per- perpetually an interesting avenue that 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 the, this kind of um normative conception of what it means to achieve right like to have mm-hmm. a kind of career perhaps or a career path that is not that's like unfettered, right? It's not, it's not interfered with by bath time or, you know, having Mm. to feed them or any of the kind of normal day-to-day things that we have to do. Um, And I think that um, I, 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 I think that for some, and certainly for younger generation, perhaps it still might be read as a, a, a slowing down the process of having to look after and and care for these for for these children in our homes, but also for children beyond just the children in our homes, beyond the ones that that we birth. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, space for refusal um, and, and and notions like uh, failure or success are really turned on their heads, right? Because it's not it's not singular. It's not it's not one thing anymore. Each each avenue thinking of someone's career as a failure because they've had children is of course is not only dated but i just think it's it's just riddled with such possibility and i think that while a lot of people you know perceive of themselves as quite quote unquote open minded right uh, you know women can work now and 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 so we're not in the 50s i still think that a lot of people 
Um, and it's not only men, right? Not only men think these things. Um, mm -hmm. Men and women tend to think that, yes, you know, having to pause your career or stop a career path and, and, and then having, having children means that perhaps you haven't excelled to the degrees you once imagined you could have. And I guess what I'm really a long-winded way of saying I don't think that's the case. You know, I think as you're saying, spaces for refusal, however privileged they are, um, can be really interesting, can open up so many possibilities. And similarly for this notion of you haven't done it the right way or in the best way, there is, you know, motherhood makes it possible to see this very idea of best or success in such a complex way. And that to me is way more interesting, right, than having followed a kind of linear path of quote unquote success. So, yeah, I mean, that just totally resonates with me. And I think it's just, um, it's really inspiring, I think, you know. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I mean, it's, for me, it's exactly right. It's like, it's, it's interesting and it's generative and it's binary breaking so that it's, because I think that that's the whole process of parenting where mm. it's, it, it's, it's an everyday, every moment shifting. Like, I mean, again, speaking in stories, there are times where I feel that I've gotten something completely right with my children. Like, you know, like that was, I, I responded in the whole brain, Dan Siegel way rooted in my commitment to social justice and I did it. Like I did a really great job in that moment. And I kind of want to look around and say, did anybody else see this great response <laughs> that I did? And then 30 minutes later, I'm asking my child to sit down um, and which we know that that's not the, <laughs> like that's not the best kind of liberatory strategy when it comes to um, discipline. But that's another conversation. But it's just to say that it's a constant it's, so it's it's not like, okay, I got this right or I was successful and I failed or, but it's yeah. really this, this balancing between the two that's, that's, you know, not one or the other, or even a spectrum, but more of this like sphere, you know, like one of those, one of my kids has this ball that their great aunt gave them for um um, a holiday a couple years ago, and it it's, it has a little engine inside of it, so it has this battery powder uh, powered uh, thing. So you turn it on, and it makes these sounds. By the way, um, families out there, I know how irritating it is to receive toys that make sounds. <laughs> and they're oh my god, it's so annoying. But anyway, so this ball is moving, but it came from my great my my aunt who I adore, so it's it's fine. And and the thing moves around on its own. Yeah. Um, but it's like off its axis, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's like it's sometimes it's moving one way and then it's moving another way and then it's kind of turning on. And that is really the relationship between failure and success mm. Within, mm. within my parenting. And it is moment to moment. And I think that is what's being brought into my uh, my practice and into my career, hopefully, mm. is that mm. it's it's no longer a ladder. It's, it's not even necessarily just about intention making and, and, and trying to, you know, reach a certain set of goals as much as just being completely open to, as you described, possibilities in a way that I just simply would not have been before. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I hear yeah, that completely. 
Um, so, I mean, Kath, I don't know if you have another question um, on the back of this, but I, I thought maybe this is a nice time to turn towards the Johannesburg family gathering. Um, yeah. Kath? Yes, no, I totally agree. Um, let's let's turn towards uh, the Johannesburg fa- family gathering. I, cool. Can you guys hear so, me? Yes, yeah, yes, we, we can, can hear you. Sorry, my... Soft. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. My son shoved a piece of Lego up his nose just now. So I, so of course he did on our podcast. So he (laughs) came in and that's why I put myself on mute and just hand him over to my partner to like try and get the piece of Lego out, which they've subsequently managed to do. Um, But I wanted to say that one of the things that I'm increasingly struck by, um, and I think it's, it's since having kids, and it kind of is, it speaks both to what you, you guys are speaking about, but you're speaking about it in terms of the ways in which we perceive success and failure. Like what you were saying, that it's not like a ladder with these rungs, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just this horizontal, I'm sorry, vertical kind of climb. Um, but I, I think it's also, I'm starting to realize more and more, and I, suspo- I suppose that this is also just something around an observation around life as well, not just one's career, is that it's not the, this obsession that we have um, developed through capitalism and neoliberalism and mm. all of those sorts of things around being married to the outcome sure, versus yeah. the process is is or being deeply invested rather in the process and acutely aware and ob- observant of the process mm. is 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 interesting for me because I think that once you can divorce yourself from this idea of outcome like mm. um, what you and, and outcome is so heavy because how does one measure that and how does one yeah. perceive of that and 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 the likes thereof and what do you, like what metrics are you using to say what is a good outcome versus mm. a bad outcome are they even can you even put them on a binary like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you start thinking about your work and your life and your day-to-day and your parenting um, along the lines of a process. Mm-hmm. It really does fundamentally, or it has for me in any case, shifted my paradigm in fundamental ways, you know? And yeah. I, am, I, I can revel a lot more in the moments that feel, as you're saying, like there's this win, right? Mm-hmm. In your parenting or in your life or your daily practice or your um, your work or whatever that may be, uh, but I can also realize that the the what what I presume are the failures um, within those spaces are also like transitionary, transitionary. So they won't last mm-hmm. forever in a way. Absolutely. Um, so so yeah. So that that also very much resonates with me. So um, yeah. Sorry. Um, I Ashley, did you want to say something before? I... No, I'm just, I, I'm agreeing with you. And I, one of the things I miss in these moments where we can't meet in person is just being able to like give those affirmations in a nonverbal way. Cause I just, I, I absolutely agree. Um, it's, and I think it, for me, part of the task is to really allow myself to learn from that and to be committed to it. I mean, it's, It's one thing right now in this moment to be able to talk about being off access and about, you know, wins and and non-failures and refusals and and all of these things. But then um, if one of my kids decides to stay up for whatever reason until 1030 and I know that I have a whole lot of stuff to do, then I can also uh, easily forget, you know, because I think that these ways of thinking are so deeply ingrained and embedded within our our society that we sometimes and it's like how do we give ourselves enough grace and and enough of a break to be able to really kind of come back to those commitments and that's why 
early on when you were like, oh, you, you know, you were generous like that. Those moments are where I'm able to like, it's like kryptonite being able to get a sense of, okay, you know, we've, I've got this. I have a, another dear friend who I'm, I'm sure you all know who's a, a mom. And I was telling her I was having a, I'm studying at the moment. That's something we can talk about <laughs> other time. But I decided to study in my um, sort of my, my lock, I call it my locked in, but not locked down. Like you're not going to keep me locked down in this <laughs> um, and, and that kind of mind frame. And I was telling her how I was having a really hard time because it just seems like everyone around me, again, taking me back to that moment in London, everyone was moving forward, climbing a ladder, going to, you know, like just kind of using these things. And she, she just said to me squarely, and this is someone I really admire. She's like, you're the smartest person I know. And I was like, I know, but that's not true. (laughs) But I mean, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because, again, that did so much for me to be able to come back and remember these these things that we're talking about. Absolutely. You know, because like as we're speaking about them, it, it feels like, yes, of course. But in the night when the baby is waking up because he's a bit gassy, then I got to change his diaper and I'm tired or whatever. It's they're easy. They're the first thing that goes. Completely. I started writing down, Ashley, I think that also this is also a good practice. Somebody said to me, start writing down the compliments or the observations that you receive from others. Oh, that's a great idea. And actually, it's been really useful for me because it's it's on my phone and it's something that I can go back to potentially and be like, right, I just need to remember again who I am, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's such yeah. a good idea, Kat. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's really nice. Cool. Yeah. But Ashley, maybe let's talk a little bit more I, around the, the, the Johannesburg family yeah. co-op yeah. and like how it what it what it initially started as, which we all knew, we all know, or a lot of Johannesburgers know, and how it's kind of merged into what it is now. For those who don't know, the Johannesburg Family Gathering is a parent-led project that hosts monthly concerts, workshops, storytelling, and more. This initiative is rooted in a commitment that children be exposed to diverse, accessible culturally culturally reflective programs from a young age. And um, I, I just wanted to add that when you and I first met, which which was not that long ago, but certainly in COVID world feels like a while, mm-hmm. um, I remember we spoke about the, the initiative and you were saying something around having come to South Africa and, you know, looking around and having been part of public programs programs before um and and thinking you know there's there's nothing here that offers anything to young um to 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 black children but also to black families right or families of color and so um i you know i haven't um we haven't attended that many but i from the one or two that i've been to one of the things that i just loved was the the kind of mix of people, you know, some who you know, some who you don't know, and the kind of, again, this word possibility, right, that comes with being in a space like that month after month. And so feeling like one is becoming part of, because I certainly wasn't yet a part of it, but um, becoming part of a community that that holds value, right, and a community that potentially can hold space. And in the kind of era in which we live, where we speak about community and care and what does radical care look like for us, mm. um, you know, just, just seeing that as a space that is actually doing that. And so, you know, um, um, versus the kind of lip service, you know, uh, um, around these catchphrases, you know, care, 
radicality, being there for the mother, being there. <laughs> what does that look like at yeah, five yeah, yeah. six when I am dying? You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, please tell us more. Cool. Okay. So, um. Barimo and I, that's my oldest son, who's five. We used to go to the library every Monday for this really great story time. And it was like total request live for toddlers because they could just say, you know, we want to hear Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And they're like, I love that. Total request live. It was great. (laughs) But what wasn't so great was that. And there were two things that were happening in that space. The first was that, of course, the toddlers are asking. So you could these, you know, standard nursery rhymes. But what struck me was that many of the friends that I knew have kids who would request other songs that weren't being requested in that space. And it just seemed that there was a there seemed to be a reason why kids weren't asking for songs that were not English, for instance. Um, or or things that maybe came from their own family or cultural traditions. And and it just started to bother me. So this went on for like two or three years. I'd go every Monday. I mean, we were the family who was always at the library on Monday. Um, So it was the singing and then also the stories that were told. I mean, this is a a library that has a wonderful um, children's library that has a number of books that are either... Um, not English or has um, black protagonists and all of the years that we were going, I don't think I remember seeing a book that, that was either uh, not English or had a black protagonist or something. And it just, it just really started to frustrate me. And then there were other things that were more atmospheric that I can't really put my finger on, but that were equally discouraging um, so like inviting friends to come and then just not feeling completely confident and comfortable in the space. Um, you know, and I think it all kind of came to a head when my kid decided to ask for Shoshaloza and the librarian's response was, well, I don't know how to sing that song. So you're going to have to really be able to sing it. Wow. This, this kid is like three. And I think, and then after that, what I noticed is that he became a bit shy about asking for that song. And meanwhile, we're singing songs like um, there's a family who comes who clearly are, are very proud and confident in their religious traditions. And so they were asking for um, songs like, what's it, Abraham or, you know, the song that you would typically hear at church, you know, not necessarily at school. So it wasn't a song that we were familiar with. You know, I was, in fact, doing a remix and having my child sing about Ibrahim instead of, <laughs> instead of Abraham. Yeah. But, you know, it was just to say that there were just these incremental things that I felt was interfering with the type of critical parenting that I want to do. That's part of my intention for parenting which is to say that they were creating a sense of normalcy for Eurocentric nursery rhymes and stories and traditions. That was one thing. And then also making it clear that not only are these things the norm and the standard, the things that you're now asking about or being curious about are things that we need to, that maybe don't quite fit. Now, painting the picture of this, meanwhile, Um, Again, due to working moms and the things that we're talking about here, I would say a good 60 percent 
of the other woman in at the library were women who were working as nannies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they definitely knew Shoshaloza. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah. Wasn't yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It wasn't like they couldn't, you know? And of yeah. course, when we sang it, it was great. Everyone's singing the song. Everyone, like the other adults knew it just fine. Yeah. So what was happening there? And I think that whatever it was that was happening there, I've seen it happen. And I've, I had, had felt myself being quite repulsed by that sentiment in other spaces, both here in South Africa and in my, you know, my kind of native country of the States and other places. Um, and after becoming frustrated, I thought, you know what, I know how to organize, like I know how to develop programs. I should just do something. And that's really, um, that was the starting point for the family gathering. So um, wrote to a few friends and said, hey, would you, what do you think about just doing something on a Saturday? Um, you know, let's, let's just meet up and I can, um, I, at the time, fortunately, I just started doing some work with Vansa and through that met some incredible um, artists who aren't necessarily people who work with children, but just have a lot to offer the world, you know? And it's like, okay, let's see yeah. what it will look like if this person just came in. And um, so like someone like the incredible Bra Pops Muhammad, who, you know, knows pretty much every indigenous instrument <laughs> throughout the continent, you know? Yeah. So it's like, what would it look like for him to come and just play the kalimba? Um, as opposed to always seeing the guitar. Like, what yeah. would that do for our kids? So it's an experiment. You know, it was an experiment. And it just is something that we kind of gradually, month by month, sometimes families make different recommendations for um, activities or people. Sometimes it was opportunistic. Mm -hmm. So we had this one session a couple years back um, where Zeg Da came and, and read stories it was like I know it's just I think we all just kind of sat around looking a bit starstruck yeah. <laughs> what's going you know it was amazing absolutely um and then there's also who I know you know D the absolutely talented um uh Kinesa um and yeah, kind of, yeah. you know she's yeah, she's yeah. just incredible and I could not understand why there were not more spaces where where those type of um, stories or people were just being um, centered, you know, even at school. So we'd find like the extracurricular activities just leaned and relied so heavily on, um, I would say, Western traditions, yeah. which is not all bad. You know, like, let me, this is not... Yeah. You know, Hey, hi, baby. <laughs> but hi, we know all about these things. So. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's where it came from. And then I think for the duration, I I in speaking to families like both of, of your families and others, I remember kind of running into you on on walks in the times before um, the times before COVID when we were expecting your second. And I was thinking like. It would be really helpful if families could have something to lean on at home as well. Mm. Um, and I, again, trying to think of, okay, how can we take 
family gathering style commitments and allow them to be available for families at home or available for families who cannot come to the gallery. And this is pre-COVID, trying to figure out how how that could be possible. Because as my children were entering school, I realized how important having these spaces were and are. Um, And I think what happened is, well, well, there's two things that happened that kind of, the, the first was COVID, you know, came around and there were so many things happening online. And that reminded me, oh yeah, it's possible to do things online. You know, we can, we can put together materials online. But then the second and much more important thing is that George Floyd was, was murdered yeah. in the States. And I looked at that film disgusted as I know we all did. And, you know, hearing him cry out for his mother, um, and there's this, I don't know, there's, there are these uh, photographs of women carrying um, kind of placards that say that when George called out for his mom, all the moms came. Yeah. You know? Mm, yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those moms and I cannot, you know, I'm not, you know, we do what we can in some ways, but what, what is my contribution going to be towards racial uplift? In this moment, what and suddenly making sure that families had access to things that were empowering and um, were were kind of soothing was a priority. So it was like, oh yes, I want to figure this out, but suddenly it became urgent, mm-hmm. and that's really the, the the reason why the cooperative sprung up. You know, so that yeah, that was it. And what and what did it initially? I mean, how has it how has it changed? How long has it been running for? Actually, I mean, you'd have to jog my memory. Yeah, sure. This is so okay. So George Floyd was killed in early June of last year. So that's when I first wrote to some of the families who yeah. were attending the the gathering. So we've been, um, and then by September is when the website was established um and so what so yeah i guess officially since september okay and then the gathering before then how long was that when did you start that okay so then the gatherings those went on for three years every month and the last in-person one was 2019 okay and you were saying that even before the pandemic obviously you were thinking about ways to take it online but the gathering has kind of been paused during the pandemic for obvious reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Or are you thinking of going back to that or? Well, I mean, yes and no. Okay, so there were a number of reasons that I won't bore you with right now that I I, I always like to think of things in threes. Someone once told me a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. I also it actually doesn't. <laughs> It actually doesn't. I, I'm pretty this much the same. Yes. Yeah, I think. Okay. So I had this thing about three. So at first I was like, if we can just do this for three months, and I was like, okay, let's do this for three years. It'll be a three-year commitment. And then let's see what happens after that. Yeah. And I think that there were a number of things happening in my family that um, I, I wasn't necessarily thinking that we would continue in the same kind of shape that it was in terms of these kind of monthly things. It was at the Johannesburg art gallery and before then it was at museum Africa. Um, So that, so that was before COVID came around, that was already like trying to rethink and, you know, Um, but the nice thing about the co-op was 
here we are. So we're like, okay, let's see if we can make this available at home. But also, what would it be like if we could have a little bit more intentionality around the um, strengthening the community bonds between families so we can really lean in on each other? So with the gathering, um, as Dee said, you know, we would meet monthly. There's really no pressure. There's no cost. There's no RSCP. You, yeah. you come if you can. That's that's it. And I I remember there are families who would say, yes, I'm going to definitely make it one month. And then something comes up because that's what it's like having children. That was me. <laughs> you know, Maybe a month. That was me. You know? <laughs> yeah. But that's what it was meant to be is just the space. You know it's yeah. there. Let's. So with the co-op, the idea is that if we can kind of convene as a group, that we can try to make things, we can try to like facilitate small group sessions in a way that accommodates that even a bit more. So we're definitely doing things online and as it's safe and as things, um, and as we're allowed, we will do things like um, something we have happening, um, hopefully soon, depending on, is we plan to have a Kopi walk with just like, you know, a couple families socially distance um but as part of that to look at uh crystals we, this was something that came up in one of the the co-op uh, online resources is that there's a there's a family there's a mother who has developed this practice around the healing potential of crystals yeah. she's also a uh, microbiologist so it's like these two things are functioning together again, not even a spectrum, not even a binary, but a sphere that's like off access, you know, all these different things that are kind of trying to sit together. Yeah. And as part of her practice as a mom, as a parent who's thinking about critical parenting strategies, she's like kind of uses this as part of how she calms her children, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to learn from that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go to the copies. Mm-hmm. And sit several feet apart with our masks and everything. And um, and so it's co-op families who will know about this, you know, um, and and just hear what she has to say about crystals, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot different from saying, OK, every every last Saturday at this gallery and then whoever, yeah. you know, um, which is still lovely. And hopefully we can do some of that when mm. when, when everybody has a vaccine or whatever, you know, I know people have different thoughts about that, <laughs> you know, but whatever could happen where we are no longer in such a serious threat with this virus. But so that's, that's the hope. Yeah. Oh yeah. Looking at you again. I think she liked how you were talking to her earlier. Actually, the kind of I don't know how to describe it, but the growth or development or or shift in focus, right, from Mm -hmm. the JFG to the co-op is in some ways invites even more 
kind of um, intentional avenues into your and the the other families who form a part of it into strategies of being parents and also of being children um, mm. is my understanding. And, and then also that, but you're saying, you're also saying that the Jobic family gathering may at some point take on another life of its own, you know, once things are different kind of con- COVID context. Mm. And I think, um, I think what's, I guess I, I want to say, I think that's so wonderful and, and would, would love to know that that continues at some point. Um, when, mm. when you and I were, were chatting about the, um, the little uh, workshop that I organized yeah. at, um, um, at the point of order the year before last, I remember being so inspired by the fact that you had kept this thing going, you know, and that um, it's, you know, because I think one of the things about organizing and um, is, is, and I mean, it's really kind of a learning on the fly thing, um, is there are lots of wonderful ideas right yeah. but like, <laughs> how, like how ideas become a reality are, are pretty complex you know and 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 in the showing up uh I don't always think one can always appreciate how much goes on you know um be behind the scenes and so um yeah I guess I just I just wanted to kind of add that you know that in the family gathering I know of so many families who who found that just being a part of that even even if it wasn't an ongoing every month it's the same thing you know I think that was such a big part of the appeal of it you know and that also for a lot of families I think um you know being able to enter those spaces month after month you know um like going to the jag um driving to the jag Mm. explaining to your kids where we are now right (laughs) and uh, why this is a why this space is worth visiting but also why driving through town in this way you know there are all kinds of things that it's not only about the time there which in itself is wonderful um but I found that the couple times uh we we drove through town with Taui you know that um it, it 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 brought up so many things um so I guess I'm also just trying to say that these spaces and the considerations and care, I guess, that you put into how you um, how you piece it together, you know, um, it's so valuable. And I think that Joburg, the few of us who are part, who get to be a part of it and who get to know you are quite lucky, you know. And as are the and of course so are the kids. <laughs> so, yeah, just to say, I think it's such a wonderful space and 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 idea and and adventure. Well, thanks again. I mean, it's thank you. Thank you very much for that. I, um, you know, I think what I'm coming to understand about this is because I, I, I've been fortunate to, as I'm, as I know both of you have, I mean, um, Kathleen spoke about our, our book club adventure. You know, we've, mm. we've all been part of, of trying to organize. I think part of it is, um, it's self-sustaining and it's also sustaining for generations to come. Um, yeah. But part of the thing about this in particular was that it really, in my mind, feels urgent. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I yeah. think that that's absolutely informed by the conversations that I've had, even as frequent or as infrequent are they as they have come with, with both of you and other families and some of the kind of concerns that we've voiced about what's available for our children in terms of supporting their self-actualization and yeah. 
Um, you know, so it, it actually feels as urgent to me as any other aspect of parenting. So with that kind of urgency, then it, it's it's one of those things where it feels like, you know, life is insistent. And so this these kind of things are insistent as well, because if, if, if they don't happen, then I'm seriously concerned that, you know, my, my child will not have a strong enough sense of, I mean, there's the things that we do at home. But if we were to choose to just send him, continue to go to the library and continue to have, you know, socialoza be shunned for whatever reason, then then that's that's going to register with him in a particular way. And it's and it's like bringing these things that are valuable within our communities, making sure that it's reflected in public space. And you're absolutely right about going to JAG and Museum Africa. Mm. I mean, at one point, I remember this, uh, um, a friend of, um, well, yeah, there was a family who came once to Museum Africa, um, seemed to enjoy themselves, and then was really trying to, to encourage and to kind of assist me and shifting it from Museum Africa to someplace in Santon. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, nah, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, like, that's, that's the whole point. <laughs> so, um, and even knowing that friends of mine, like, they, like that also being a central space for friends who are coming from, like we are from Melville, from friends who are coming from Kensington and, and other places that somehow town was a, a central meeting point, mm. you know, wow. sometimes in my space here in Melville, and I know because you guys look close, is there's this sense that I'm in the central meeting point already. But I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So can I just... Yeah. Sorry, Ash, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you for two seconds, and I suppose it's to take us on a slightly different tangent, maybe yeah. just to make something a little bit more explicit. I think um, I just wanted to get a sense from you: How do you understand community, mm. and has that understanding of community shifted um, by having kids um, or, or through having kids? Yeah, definitely. I mean, okay. So in, in going back to this thing about professional work and practice, so like you mentioned, so I was doing what I guess is traditionally known as museum education work um, before. So meaning like you know, the job that I would look for is a job where you know, organizing education programs in a contemporary gallery space. That's what I was doing. Yeah. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because in some of those spaces, I saw the word community being used in, I would say, almost a pejorative or attempt to be euphemistic way, where if you were kind of leaning on the community or inviting the community, it was like you were basically inviting people who were considered poor and Black. That's, sure. what, that's what the yeah. community meant. Sure. You know, yes. let's, let's be a bit real here. So we had, um, and, and I found that, Difficult. So when you have patrons who'd come to those spaces, they weren't seen as a community. You know, it was like yeah. communities always something like community, as in those who are oppressed or those who are fighting oppression somehow. Um. So I think being a parent has helped me to 
to say, actually, let me let me reclaim some of, of that. Of like what our status is as as yeah. part of the community that other people are defining. Um, and figure out a way to be in a community on our our own terms. Um, I guess to put simply, as much as I don't want to lead in fear in my parenting, I'm aware that so much of of what I'm thinking about and, and the ways I'm approaching our kind of family dynamics is coming from a place of, maybe not absolute fear, but um, apprehension about what the world is going to provide or show these, these young, frankly, um, black boys, you know? Yeah. Um, And again, it goes back to this thing of, okay, if I need to resist that, what are the strategies that I need to put into place? Like what's the constellation for me here? You know, how can I, what do we need to stretch out to, or how do we need to, what, what, what's the village? I mean, that's the easiest one. Yeah. What really, what does that look like? So in trying to define a community or, or, or basically figuring out coping mechanisms and and something more than coping, because it's not just thinking of things as, as being constant harm as much as, as coming from a place of um, being generative. Yeah. And, and, and starting things and initiating things on our own terms, you know, like building instead of just only resisting. Yeah. I think that's, that's where the seed for the community or, or what a community being together mm. is here. So as a parent, as you both know, because I know, you know, your kids have been in school and there are some community spaces that are defined for us, like our kids Go to we you know we choose to send them to certain schools depending on our own commitments to a number of things you know sure in those schools there's a community meaning uh, Kathleen and I know all about that <laughs> we've, we've volunteered ourselves <laughs> so there's there's that community um, and then there's the extracurriculars and then there's our family and there's the kind of things that are defined for us so sure then, but I need something else still to be able to make it through and to feel that these kids are, are getting what they need. Um, you have to go just a step further. And so I think that's where the community um, building comes from. So there's, I guess, to try to say it a little bit more succinctly, it is, um, you know, making the spaces that we need, allowing for these spaces to exist in order to support one another. And what I'm starting to, I'm calling them critical parenting strategies because, mm-hmm. because I do think there's a criticality to the things that we're doing in the everyday as a type of resistance um, and a resistance to this kind of atmospheric oppression that I was describing in the the story with the library, you know, like it's not, yeah, so there's that, like trying to support one another. Um, Mm. But then there's also saying, okay, when it comes to cultural institutions, like museums and galleries and libraries, Mm. I know that there's a tendency to describe people who come from historically oppressed communities as the community, yeah. And actually I'm I'm gonna take that and I'm going to decide what that is mm. and how it functions relative to cultural institutions. Mm. 
Because what I don't want, again, in telling stories, I remember, you know, Kathleen saying when I was first off the plane, absolutely. I remember one of the things I I enjoyed most about being in Johannesburg was being able to get my hair expertly braided. Sure. And I mean it. Like I, I mean, like we we went beyond regular. Like I was getting some expert styling done. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm saying like, and I was happy to sit getting those special. Yeah, uh, you know. But I remember going to an exhibition here, and this is someone that you know I studied art history, and I'd worked in museums and galleries. And I remember going to an exhibition here about hair. I think it was at Fitz. Do you remember this? It was like years ago. And I remember going into the space and there was a, a man, it was a white man who was like, oh my goodness, your hair, you should be in the exhibition. Oh God. Yeah. This is wow. real. This is real. This is a real life story. Wow, wow, wow. But what was interesting in that moment, like on one hand, it was meant to be it was, it was meant to be a compliment, mm. you know, one can give a bit of grace. And I understood that that's what it was meant to be. Sure. On the other hand, what was delineated then, and what I've seen at other times is this thing of he, he is the audience member that goes along with this institution. Mm. I am not yeah. <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah. I can only really be thought of through his gaze in that space. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And the thing about the family gatherings is I'm trying to be like, no, actually, our families are also part of the regular, like we can use these institutions in a way that pleases us. Yeah. We can have Coltrane for Children by um, Dan, Mm. Daniel Hutchinson does this Mm. amazing Coltrane for Children session. And that's what we're going to be having. We're not going to just come in and paint as part of the community and go. Mm. You know, like we, we can use and feel that these are our spaces because they are. Sure. Mm. Sure. So that's where I'm trying to figure it out. I haven't quite figured it out, to be honest. But those are the things that are coming to my mind. Yeah. Yeah. But you're actively... Sorry, go ahead, Dee. No, um, you know, I was just going to say, I mean, I think there's just such power and fire in actively trying to figure it out. I think that yeah. is the work, right? And I think yeah. that the, the process of showing up and and doing the, the work, that 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 is the gift, right? And mm. um, the other thing that I want to do, um, say that really resonated was just what you were saying around fear, right? And how so much of, of parenting is... Um, the, the 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 premise that a lot of kind of quote unquote community in its broadest sense bring to new parents or you know I mean parenting really at any at any um, yeah. um, point in the road it's a lot of kind of fear based stuff you know and I Absolutely. think there's such power in saying in in refusal once again you know like actually yeah. I'm okay I'm gonna take this jump here you know and that might not work out and that's okay right. So, yeah, I just wanted to say I, I just really appreciate that. And I think that the only way to get over that fear, and you never get over it, the only way to grapple with that fear every day is to show up and continue practicing what it is that 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 you're most afraid of, if that makes sense, right? And yeah. I think that very often, like, I find myself in a state of paralysis around very, various things and don't 
um, don't actively try and grapple with it because it can all feel so overwhelming. And one of the things that I think I really appreciate about what you're saying, Ashley, is that you're showing up proactively for that. And in a way, not self-soothing, but like um, because you're actively engaged from from a space of fear, it kind of quells the fear because you're actively engaged, mm. if that makes sense. It doesn't ever make the fear go away, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that's just, that's that's exactly right. And I think one of the things that's useful about conversations like this, and the you know you having this space and and the others that sit alongside it, is that this, I mean, this is also part of the work. It's like we're, you know, it's like opening up the spaces, realizing that the fear is there, but yeah. then thinking, okay, now what are we going to do about it? So. Something that I'm learning through these, like I said, these kind of um, locked in but not locked down studies is the notion of um, kind of abolitionist teaching or abolitionist um, parenting that says, okay, we know that the prison, uh, prison industrial complex is is a problem, particularly yeah. in the States. Yeah. What are the alternatives and what do we have to do? You know, we know these stories. You know, like, what do we have to do to, to undo it? And one of the things that is kind of emerging clearly for me is to think, how, how else do we think about harm and fear? Like, what is the, what is the, what other ways can we respond to it? So, Earlier, I was saying, you know, I still tell my child to sit down sometimes as part of a discipline strategy. I was thinking of how I was inspired reading this text to to think, okay, I know that sitting down is a type of isolation. And and if we are really, as part of our work as parents, parenting as a type of racial uplift or, you know, thinking about future generations, then it's part of my responsibility to think, okay, what are the alternatives to this? Sure. Even though I may not always get it right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm aware that some of that for me is wanting to work on these things because of my commitments to, you know, I guess like social justice or however, you know, whatever the way that we describe it now. But then also it's because I don't want my children to end up there. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, and, I, and I have no, you know, I can say that I'm aware of a particular class position that makes it, um, maybe less likely, but there's also um, just this this really deeply rooted, like you know, like you're saying, this this fear that comes alongside it. As much as I I would like to say that it doesn't come from that, because I know that as part of parenting, you know, being able to commit to to love and um, like that is a much more we're supposed to be a more productive. Um, mm-hmm you know, that should be what guides us. But the fear is there. It's there. You know what? Like when Dee was talking about her little baby coughing <laughs> six months, that, that kind of stuff is terrifying. Yeah. 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 Like, it's scary. <laughs> but I guess for me, it's like that those coughs are scary. And it also was scary when my children, um, through my best efforts, I might... I mean, Dee knows this because of the, the well, actually, I know Kathleen, you were there too. Um, at Dee's uh, project a couple of years ago that you described, we were doing the readings and I brought in this biography I have, this children's biography of Harriet Tubman. And, yeah. Yeah. right. And so I've been, I've been since the kids are 
as you, you all know, I'm, I'm Black American, you know. And so one of my biggest fears is that my kids will go to school and learn about the transatlantic slave trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's my responsibility to be the one to kind of position the story as a place from our, our ancestors were held captive and then fought for their freedom instead of, you know, there was a transatlantic slave trade and then they were freed. Because yeah. these are words that are still used. I mean, we have, a little, you know, I have a friend who gave us a really well-intentioned friend who gave me this really lovely book, but it said, Abraham Lincoln, let the slaves free. I was like, no, actually, that's not what happened. So not correct, yeah. that's not correct. <laughs> so as I was speaking to Barimo about this, because I, in, in, a, in a way of trying to get some work done, I was letting him watch a little cartoon about Harriet Tubman. Mm. And after the cartoon, he came up to me and he was like, mom, in this cartoon, it said that a lot of the white, this is what he said, okay, a lot of the white people in America were helping Harriet Tubman <laughs> to be free. And the reason why he was saying this is because he knows that his mother has been reading out to him about all the things that his ancestors were doing. Mm. I'm not trying to radicalize my kid, <laughs> but it is, I worry, it's the same way that I worry about physical ailments, I worry that if if it's not understood from an early age that you come from a lineage of people who fought, you know, who were who were who were freedom seeking um, and who didn't always get things right. They were also criminals and also yeah. problematic and did all sorts of things. Yeah. But but were also who also fought. But were active in, in were, yeah. Yeah. Like I were they weren't the, subjects. Yeah. Exactly. That is key to me. It's absolutely key. You know. And that's what those spaces are about, is you know, showing him that. Where is that? You're pointing, but where is that? Are you not talking today? Water. Water. More water. More water? It's finished now. No, I can't. I'm not going to hold it upside down. You're having more nana. Yo. There's so much for me that I do feel like we can we can go on and on, Dee. And I know that you've got serious time limitations. Uh, Dee's mm-hmm. heading off to yeah. a, a, a pediatrician yeah. now, as usual. It's just the usual chaos. Um, I I would be very keen to kind of uh, pick your brain some more. But I think that before um, we let you go, I just wanted to direct people to both your your websites. The one is the JohannesburgFamilyGathering.com. Um, and then the other one is, which I think is the, the digital supplementary that you've been speaking about, the Johannesburg family cooperative.com. And I just think so, um, just go and take a squiz, um, and have a look. And the digital supplementary is so lovely in a way because it's exactly what you're saying around ex- accessibility, right? That now, um, it's possible to start thinking through these things. And I think that what's interesting, sorry, Deanna, I'm, I'm rambling a bit and you've got no. time limitations. Um, but I think that what's also really interesting interesting for me is that um, 
last year with George Floyd and then the Black Lives Matter and then it kind of hitting the shores of South Africa yeah. um, in, in, in a fairly explosive way, actually. And then there was further kind of explosions within the, 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 that sort of conversation around why does it have to take a, you know, transatlantic event to raise the issue of race within South Africa when so many people have been living at the brunt of racism structurally and otherwise um, within the country in any case. But w- now we're seeing this from from George Floyd, but like I do think that that's not necessarily a bad thing to come of it. Um, but there, there was a lot of conversation from white mothers around how do we raise children that are um, inclusive in their thinking, and you know, like all of that sort of that kind of language. And I think what I really love about the Chinesburg Family Cooperative is exactly what you're saying. It kind of brings it into the home. Um, but it's still intentional and really thoughtfully curated um, in a way that's not necessarily like an exclusive books um, book wall, bookshelf or book wall, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, of like what they think is the most important um, kind of literature for, for children to be reading if they want some level of diversity. But then it kind of goes back to this idea of, well, who's gays? And are we how are we speaking about the people within the story? Are we speaking about them as subjects? Are we speaking about them as active participants in their life? You know, yeah. um, so I, 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 I am deeply appreciative of, um, of the work that you do, Ashley. I can't, I can't say enough um, about how deeply appreciative I am. Sure. Yeah. Again, I'm going to write that one down per your. <laughs> really, I am. That's really just it. Really, it really is helpful and just so incredibly affirming. It will probably get me through that next month of organizing something. And you all know I'm not on social media, but the family co-op is. I should say that. Um, I don't. I have to. <laughs> so that's that's a new, another thing in terms of the way that our our work and our family um, pushes us in new directions is I realize that that space is important for this kind of organizing, even though if I myself find it a little bit hard. So, <laughs> so, so you're saying that the family co-op is on social media? Yeah, it's on Instagram. Okay. I'm going to sound like such a granny because I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, it's on the gram. I don't know if that means that it's posted or like what, but I know that there is a, a family co-op. Um, a friend of mine who's also in the co-op, because that's this is a nice thing about the co-op. Yeah. People bring their skill sets. Yeah. All kind of families. And they'll be like, actually, I can do this. I think this is something that will be useful. So let me, you know. And so yeah. that's how so the way it functions is that we all kind of put into a pot to be able to um, to commission artists to do certain things or to, to kind of have workshops or to sure. have materials. But then there are families who will say, you know, I, I can I can tell a story. Sure. I have a story to tell or I can put you into, you know, and then that is their contribution to the co-op. Okay. Um, and so I really that- like that because it also then just goes back to this idea of community. And yeah. how the community all shows up, right? Sorry, now we've got a barking dog. Yeah. <laughs> all about these. My children, I have closed and barricaded the door. That was my, so that's why it's so quiet. And now you're probably wondering, because you know my children. No, it's actually ridiculous. Like this has been like one of those episodes where I just feel like I can't get a break. You know, my kids, I've got a study that's enclosed with glass and they can see me. So I've had my three-year-old already come and stand on the other side of the glass and like just not three-year-old, five-year-old and plead with me, plead with me. Like, come on, mom, finish up. (laughs) 
And they're so funny in that way. They really are these kids because they, again, in terms of urgency, urgency. It's Absolutely. Like, everything must happen now. Everything is urgent. That's where I'm getting this from. Yeah. Again, to answer your question, it's like, uh, things have become urgent to me because things are urgent for my children. Oh, There's yeah. a book, Everyday Blessings. Sorry, Dean, I don't have to go. Have you heard that? read that book, Everyday Blessings? It's no. By, um, no. Anyway. And they were saying like I, children are like living Buddhas where they're like, you know, there's this constant like being present and, and having to be in this constant state of awareness and presence. Yeah. <laughs> because everything is urgent to a child. Everything is urgent. Absolutely. I don't think it's rubbed off on me yet. I feel like everything has kind of slipped through the cracks and has, has like, it just takes on another level of like, there are some things that can be deferred to tomorrow because yeah, this kid has more urgent needs. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. sure. yeah. yeah. But thank yeah. you so much, Ashley, for coming on you, and chatting Ashley. to us. Um, this has really been so great and, and, and reflective and helpful and, and just thank you. And thank you for this podcast. Um, Thank you. I've, I have been, I have listened. You know, I, I would like to say that I have a couple claims to fame in life. Um, just a couple small ones. <laughs> They're mostly by association. Like I have a cousin who plays bass guitar for a well-known musician. That's a claim to fame. Now this is going to be on my new list of claims. <laughs> on the podcast and i am dead serious as, as well as well having so. you on as a guest yes. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much. but i i keep thinking um just to say that this this session for me has been very generative and has left me thinking about Absolutely. a lot um about how i'll implement into my my own parenting and thinking about how like how to be a bit more intentional you know which i think yeah. we, we lose sight of but we're also tired, so there is that. <laughs> I try to be. Is is that. I'm tired a lot of the time, friends. Yeah. So. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you <laughs> so much, Ashley. Thank Have you. a wonderful afternoon. Thank you so cool. much. Thanks, thank Ashley. You. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hey, I'm Kathleen, and I'm Dee, and you're listening to Mamas with Attitude, otherwise known as MWA. Mama, 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 mama. The same way I immerse myself in my career. Yeah. You've now immersed yourself in motherhood. I've now immersed myself in motherhood. Mommy's a bounce. Mommy's a bounce. Mommy's a bounce. Weird. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, motherhood just comes to take on its different shapes and forms. Mama. 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 (laughs) No, actually, seriously, on a serious note, it's it's been really dope. Thank you. Okay, bye. Mama. 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 Mama.